You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 32 with Gina Zeidler. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode with Gina, I wanted to let you know that instead of taking a break this summer from podcasting and leaving you guys high and dry, I have decided to do a summer series on cultivating your village. And the reason why I thought this was so important is because I feel like it seems so natural to have a community or village, yet so many of us are lacking that. And I feel like we're walking through life alone. And as much as I wanted to create an online village through the podcasting world. We also need people in our lives, the day-to-day, week-to-week. We can't just survive on social media and whatnot. So I am going to have former guest Melissa Sharp come on, and we are going to walk you through how to go about cultivating your village. I think many of us have tried to create a village or a community before, and we were left with unmet expectations, or maybe boundaries were crossed, or maybe we find ourselves too busy to even nourish those friendships. So we're going to walk through all of those topics and help you figure out how you can go about this. And we hope that we can inspire you to go out and be brave and cultivate your own village. This leads me into this week's episode with Gina. And I just want to say, Gina bravely walks us through her infertility journey and shares what it is like after having a miscarriage and trying for the second time. She chats with us about being sleep deprived for over two years and why she will never take sleep for granted again. If you know of someone that is walking this difficult journey, make sure to share this episode with them. Gina wants to share her story so that women don't feel isolated and all alone during these trying times. Let's go to the show. Gina, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. It's just, it's a joy and an honor. So thank you for having me. Yeah. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker and I love to travel. So what is your favorite vacation spot that you have gone to and why? And this can be with or without kids. Goodness gracious. That's a tough one. Um, I've been fortunate in um, being a photographer and I've done a lot of different stuff um, with different, whether it be weddings or actually some commercial things, but I went with a volleyball team to um, Hawaii and that would probably be the best. We were on, um, why am I totally blanking out? I think it's Kauai, um, teeny Island, like the one that's very like not tourism. Um, and so we just spent like a good eight, nine days there. The girls played volleyball and I got to like capture that. And we just got to see all the, like, it was kind of touristy in the fact that we did those big things, but I would go back there and like overnight every day, all day long. (laughs) Um, so that was definitely one of my favorite like times up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Hawaii. Uh, we haven't been for a long time, um, but we went to Maui and it would be great to go back. But for some reason in the past few years, Flights from Nashville to to Hawaii went up. It, it, they like doubled. So I don't know what happened, but um, that definitely kind of was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go back that badly. So <laughs> I think it's like that that and the time change, right? Oh, like especially yes. with like small Little humans, ones. I'm oh, slightly yes. terrified. No, oh, <laughs> yeah. Do that. Just changing an hour, you're kind of like, oh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, is that worth it for the rest of my weekend to suck? No. Yeah, so. especially when it's a vacation for you too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I wanted to uh, jump into the interview. And so let's get started. And you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. 
Yes. Um, again, my name is Gina. Um, I live in Minnesota, so the Twin Cities area in Minnesota. Um, I am a wedding and a lifestyle photographer. I photograph a lot of families and babies as well as wonderful weddings. And I also mentor a lot of other photographers. I've been doing this for a good nine years now. So I love just, um, that's one of my favorite things is just like bring people in and then uplift them and encourage them. And so I really try hard to do that, um, in my life, in my social media, um, especially, um, I really want to share the real. So we've been through some challenging things in our life. Personally, we've been, we were on, we had a long road of infertility before we had our son. And then after our son was born, we had a pretty intense couple years. Um, and then, uh, we recently this summer, like went through a loss. So I just, I believe super big in, um, sharing the real every day so that we can come together and know we're not alone if we do feel alone in those places. And, um, I felt very alone at times. So I just want to share my story and I, Amber, it's all about people for me. I, I just love people. And so I feel like there's a way to love and encourage people, even if you're at home with a toddler and running your own business and maybe, maybe not around people all the time. Um, but I really try to champion that in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I wanted you to come on to talk about this and, um, you know, some of the listeners may not even know this about me, um, because I really haven't talked about it in depth. I might've mentioned it here and there, depending on who was the guest, but you know, we tried for two and a half years. And I remember when we met you at making things happen, it, um, it really resonated with me what you were going through. My heart really went out to you because I just knew what that felt like. And, you know, it took us two and a half years to get pregnant with Skyla. And that was our, you know, first daughter. And it just felt like every month feels like eternity. And so, um, you know, I know that when people are trying, they totally understand what I'm saying. It's, it just feels like every month is a letdown. And so, um, and then also we had a miscarriage between Skyla and Serena So I also Mm -hmm. have empathy for women going through that journey as well. And I wanted to bring you on is because, you know, going through that journey, I feel that it's good to hear from someone that is still walking that road versus looking back and saying they made it to the other side, which as great as that is, I do feel like those people who are listening and going, okay, well, great. You have however many kids you want. Right. And um, that's good for you. And hopefully that can happen to me. And, but I think, it really resonates with people when they can hear someone is still walking through this journey and willing to talk about it as it it is still difficult versus looking back and going, Oh yeah, I remember that was difficult and that was hard. It's like, no, this is hard. This is what I'm going through. And so that's why I wanted to bring you on and just kind of have, you know, give some people some hope and, and just to know at least anything that they're not alone. So that's definitely why I wanted to bring you on. So how about we jump into your story and you walk us through your journey, both stories with Cal and then, you know, what you're going through now and um, just kind of, you know, share with us what's been going on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for even asking it. Just, um, yeah, again, it's just an honor to share, even though it's sometimes hard to share and sometimes hard to um, kind of, even while I was prepping some links to send to you today, like to re even just to relook at my birth of my son, it just brought on in- interesting feelings. I think even for like, Oh dang, I was supposed to do that two months ago again, but it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, so we, um, we, we got married now this year we'll be married 10 years. Um, so we took a whole bunch of time. Um, we got married really young. So, uh, when we started trying to have a baby, I just was like, yeah, it's just going to happen. It's what do you, you spend how many years preventing it? Like right. terrified out of your mind. 
Um, so I just felt like, you know, we're both healthy. We're, we're young. Like it's just going to happen. And it just kept not happening and it kept not happening. And, um, you know, the Lord put me in a really great friend group of women that are, that were actually going through infertility. So that was a huge blessing that I see, um, looking back at those early stages. But, um, I had a lot of friends who already had an infertility specialist and someone that they were going to. So I had a, someone to reach out to pretty quickly. Um, and not, and they, I mean, early on, probably about like nine to 10 months into trying very, like doing all the things, my friends, like drinking the pomegranate juice, temping, (laughs) um, legs up in the air, like all of the crazy things every other day, every day, like (laughs) (laughs) all of those things through all of the, the wonderful month of fun. Um, and so right at about that, like eight, it's, I think I'm trying to figure out what month we went in, but I just was like, I mentally, it wasn't even physical. It was like mentally, I couldn't handle it anymore. I needed to know if something was wrong with right. one of us or um, something like that. So we went in around there and they were like, nothing's wrong. Like everything looks, you know, um, my husband went in, I went in, everything looks okay. And so then they started us on, um, as like set of, I, I believe it was Vermeer at the time. And then we were doing IUI cycles. So we ended up doing six of those cycles, um, maybe even seven, six before I had surgery. And I'll get to that in a second, but, um, six cycles and the, the medicine went up every time. And, um, those are where you go in like three to four, maybe even five times a month, like to check everything, to know when to trigger. And then like you go and lay on a hospital or whatever, like a doctor bed and they like shoot your husband's fun stuff up there and make sure they're in the right place. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, yes. So romantic, right? Yeah. Like, so, so romantic. So yeah. romantic yes. <laughs> like the timer. And yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, I mean, we, I remember taking pictures before every time, just hoping, and then you go in, you do that. And then in two weeks, you, it's a two week wait. And if you, you're going through it, you just know that two week wait. And then you go in for a blood test, um, to tell you if you're pregnant again or not, or pregnant at all. And so it was month after month of no, 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 no. And it's just hard. Cause you, I mean, depending on what time you got the call, it's like, you just knew yes or no. Um, and so finally, um, our physician started to really push us towards an IVF cycle. And we were not sure about that at that time. We just weren't sure. And we had run out of money for the year, um, of trying to have a baby. And so at that time, the one thing I didn't do that some people on traditional infertility paths do is you see your OB. I didn't have like a set OB because I just like transitioned from college. So I did, I skipped my, like people sometimes just talk to their OB and they go through a couple of treatment cycles with them. I went straight to a fertility specialist, um, which is okay too. But, um, the one thing I didn't have that some people had before they saw a fertility specialist was, uh, I think it's called like a hysteroscopy and a laparoscopy. Um, a hysteroscopy is now like, seeing posts, like it's pretty much like a DNC if you do have a loss, but they just kind of go in your uterus and they scrape everything out just if there is anything there. And so I just felt pushed to like, you know what, let's just try this. Cause maybe like there's something in the way and that's why we're not getting pregnant. Cause they couldn't give us an answer. They're just like, well, IUI, in which I thought this statistic was crazy. IUI only increase, like increases your chances of having a baby. If they do all of those things, trigger, they put it where it's supposed to be only by like 20%. Oh, wow. And yeah, I, which blows my mind, which makes me be like, okay, if there's a creator of people. <laughs> um, and um, IVF is about 60 to 70%. So obviously like a fertility specialist wants, when they see you sad every month, they wanted, they wanted get you a baby. And so that's what they, they say to do. So we just weren't there yet. And so I said, well, let's try this surgery. Let's just give it a shot. And so when we went and had the surgery done, 
they found that my entire uterus was covered in polyps. Like, oh, like, wow. Enti- entire, like the, <laughs> there was no way, there was no way a baby could have implanted. When I saw the photo, which again, I'm not, this girl cannot handle like seeing blood or like I pass out when I see all that stuff. Yeah. But, but it, there was a before and after and it was remarkable to me um, of like, it was just, the, they, they like use the words like dandelions in a field and like, there's just a dandelion in every inch of your uterus. So there's no way that a baby could have implanted. So that was super hopeful for us. We felt like, okay, like there was a reason why we weren't getting pregnant and maybe we, everything was going right, but the baby just couldn't implant anywhere. Um, and so, um, we tried one more IUI cycle after that, um, which really truthfully, like my body probably wasn't done healing yet. Um, and that one failed. And then the next month was October. And I was like, I'm so mad. Like I was so mad. I was so sad. Um, I linked, um, to a a post in there that I like, I had taken a bunch of photos of myself, like crying through the process and like, and that sounds so like selfish and weird, but I just needed to like show like, this sucks sometimes. And nobody, everyone talks about the hope and I, I feel hope, but like, I also need to see people having a hard time too. Cause maybe I'm only the one having the hardest time. So I just, I'd taken a bunch of them. And then in September, after that last cycle failed, I just like posted a bunch of them and just was like, you know what? This is just the ugly. I just hope this is a small part of our story. Um, this hard, hard part and not understanding why it's not happening. And if you're going through infertility, then it's kind of like if you get a red car, then you see all the red cars on the road oh, analogy, yes. yep. you know, mm-hmm. like everyone yep. in your life is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Social media makes that so hard. And, oh and, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like, and then your 14 year old cousin is pregnant and like all these people who don't want to be pregnant are be pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And you're I like, know. Yep. why? Um, yeah. So I just remember like capturing that and I just needed to, um, even though it was kind of uncomfortable, but I'm so grateful I had those images. So that next month I like traveled a ton. I photographed weddings in Colorado and California, like back to back. So there was like, three days that month that were at all close to ovulation or anything like that. And I just told Matt, like, we're not, we're not, we're not thinking about it. We're not doing anything. Um, and so like, I remember the couple one or two times that it happened in those times. And I was like, I'm not putting my legs up. Like this stuff is going in the toilet and we're going <laughs> too much information, but I know sorry, real life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> real life. I know um, when you're trying, you're like, you don't want to lose any of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to keep them all there. But I was like, I don't care. You don't These, care. Right. I, I, no, I didn't. I honestly needed a mental break oh, of right. thinking there was even a chance. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is honestly a piece of my story that I, I like it, it. Anyways, I'm giving myself away. So anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, we, ended up getting pregnant that month, which is just crazy. Um, uh, of course people like one of the things, if you're going through infertility and someone says, stop thinking about it, like oh that makes me want to yeah. punch somebody in the face oh, because I'm sorry, I was going to the doctor six times a month and like watching numbers every single day. You can't tell me to not think about it. Like that's, that's so rude to right. say to somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so for all the people said, that aren't trying, keep this yes. in mind what Gina's saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, you don't, and nobody usually means it in a malicious no, attempt, they don't. but when you're, no. but when, yeah. yeah, but when you're going through it, like all that stuff feels like daggers. It really yeah. does. Oh, it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so I'm kind of like when, the, of course the month I stopped thinking about it happened. So that's the part where I'm like, ah, but still, um, it just was a cool, really, really awesome surprise for us when we were able to surprise our family. And so we had a pretty great pregnancy. I was terrified of doing anything. I'm a very athletic person and, um, I've worked out, played basketball in college, but like I did nothing. I, I was so terrified that 
I would have something to do with like a loss. And we've, we've been around it. When you try for that long, you've, you are acquainted with stories of loss. And I, we just weren't naive to the conceiving process, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. we were happy, but we were also cautious. Um, and so, but the Lord blessed us with a great pregnancy and, um, I was happy and I gained a whole bunch. I gained like 75 pounds, not because I was, I mean, I ate paleo, I ate super clean, but I just wasn't willing to like work out because I was too afraid. I did yoga a lot towards the end, but, um, so yes, then he was due like two days before my 30th birthday. And and so it was like, Hey, here we go. And Aww. so then I, I actually ended up going to labor on my 30th birthday, um, which was interesting. And then we proceeded to have a wonderful, like 53 hour labor. Um, <sighs> yeah, so, you know, the one thing I am a preparer, right. So I had all this time to prepare and then, um, and I just, I tr- we prepared for a natural birth we pre- and not that we were going to do it at home, but I just wanted to to try my best. And I wasn't against anything. I just wanted to try my best to have a natural birth. So it was just a, an experience of just surrender. And the fact that no matter what I did, I was doing all of the right things I had done. We did extra workshops and everything. I mean, we did it all. Um, and none of that was working. The only way that I was progressing in my labor was if I was flat on my back and that's just the worst. Um, and so I would go from in these 53 hours, I would go from contractions from three to five minutes apart. And then in the next contraction was 25 minutes apart. And that went on for like almost 36 hours. So we didn't immediately, we, we were at home until about 30 hours. Um, and then we finally went in cause they were just, the, our doctor was like, I don't think you're, I had a doula. I had all the things, friends, all the things. <laughs> you, you know what? And you so, sound very much like me. That's what I did. Yeah. And I did the whole natural. I had a doula and that all went out the window and I had to have a C-section. So, um, yeah. so when you're saying all this, I, I completely relate to you and it's almost kind mm-hmm. of like a mean joke that you're like, really, really this yep. happened. So, so go ahead. But I just wanted to no. say, you're saying this. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like my story, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's crazy. I'm, I'm grateful for sisterhood in that. Right. Like it's just, you only hear the stories of like, it was eight hours or it was like three and they just popped out. Like you don't often hear like, and I don't want to scare a new mom really, right. but I also want, I wish someone would have shared with me like the intensity of how tough, their labor was too, because I think I would have had a spectrum. I just didn't think I had a spectrum. I just had like, well, this is how it goes. Um, so yes. So yeah, I mean, 36 hours in, I was like, I need an epidural or I'm going to die. And it wasn't even like screaming. I like, I got into the, the tub and was like, it's time. Um, and my husband thought it would be screaming at the time that I asked, but I was like, no, it was, it was really truthfully in my mind, life or death. Like I wasn't sure I could make it much longer. And so then just by, unfortunate circumstances. I didn't even have him for another 20 hours after that. There was just a lot of things that happened in the hospital. Nobody's fault per se, but just like, it was just all the unfortunate things. Now, praise the Lord. Like we were both healthy. Um, Cal had an infection when he was born and that made us, and we were both so tired. I think it was part of it. Right. So yeah. it, it was just, it was just tough, but being awake for almost three days straight was, was really impossible. Well, yeah, like, and you not can't really have, eating. And you can't have food, no. right? Yeah. So yeah. you're just so exhausted and you can't eat. Yeah. I remember very vividly at the end, like maybe in like our, like, I don't know, 40 something. I like cried to my nurse. I had the nurse all day long. She was so sweet. And I was like, can I just have a banana? And she looked at me and she's like, you can have a banana. (laughs) So I remember, I mean, they do that. So like, if you do go into a C-section, you don't choke on your food. Right. Exactly. Yep. 
I get why they do it, but she was the sweetest and gave me like half of a banana. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so our son arrived. Um, and then we had some hard times like in the hospital still. Um, I took a sleeping pill the next day cause literally I felt like I couldn't even, after I had him, I felt like I was like on like some, cr- I couldn't see straight, even with my glasses and, or like my glasses or my contacts. And like, I oh, felt like wow. I was like, like, I honestly think my body, like if you were in a desert for like a year or forever and you were like so thirsty, everything would shut down, but whatever you needed to work. And I think that's literally what happened. I think my body shut down completely. I was in complete shock and like only what needed to work worked. Um, so it was a really scary experience. Like for me, like I was like, I'm not well, like there's something wrong with me. So the next day I took, um, a sleeping pill and almost slept for eight straight hours and praise the Lord, they had donor milk at my, um, at my hospital, oh, I delivered nice. out, which is, yeah. yeah, it was really sweet. Um, and so I, you know, I, at that point there was just not a better choice. I had to take care of me at that point. Sure. But that's hard. Yep. Um, so, and then of course they sent us home and, um, and my milk didn't come in for another whole like day and a half. And I remember very vividly calling, bawling my eyes out and saying, I can't, he won't sleep. He won't sleep. He's, he won't stop crying. I mean, he cried straight. Um, and the nurse was like, the crying is a good thing. He's telling your boobs to like work <laughs> and mm. you need to, like, she like screamed at me over the phone. I was like, you need to go to sleep right now. Hand that baby to somebody else. And you need to sleep for at least two hours and your milk will come in. Oh, um, and she, yeah. And she was completely right. So um, yeah, it was just, so that was the beginning of my sweet, sweet little adorable baby. Um, but then <laughs> when he arrived, um, we thought that we would have this champion of experience of just like, it's going to be so great. I'm going to baby wear. We had all the things I'm going to go to baby wearing yoga. I'm going to go to do all that. Um, <laughs> yeah. and he was just a high needs baby. And, and that was, it was even hard for me to identify high needs. Like I didn't really want to say that about him. Um, it was really tough for me. Like I, every time people said that to me, I felt almost offended. Like I did something wrong. Cause I have a high needs baby. If that makes yeah, sense. Like, yeah. Nobody wants to have a high maintenance child, right? It's no. like, you want the child that's like, Oh, goes with the flow, sleeps everywhere, eats everything. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So I yes. know what you mean. No. And so, um, you know, the first couple months it was like to be expected, but once we hit three months and he was still waking about every 20 minutes, um, it's hard to even like think about it to be honest. So for like the next probably his first year and a half, he woke about every 30 minutes. The most, the longest stretches, some of those days we'd get was maybe an hour and a half. Um, and so we were waking like, and I was breastfeeding. Um, and we were, so we were waking close to like 10 to 14 times a night, every single night. And it was just, I mean, by the grace of God, we're still alive. I would have to say, honestly, like thinking about that and how intense that was, um, it, it, it doesn't even make sense. So like when people say to me, Oh my, yeah. Babies don't sleep. It's like, yeah. Like for us, when we finally got to the stage when he was maybe 15 to 16 months old, when he only woke like three times a night, we were like, we could do this for the rest of our lives. Like you can wake three times a night for the rest of your life. We don't care. Like wow, um, yeah. it was just such a difference for us. And honestly, from that month of four months to probably like that 15 month mark, we, we had a hired sleep coach. We had taken him to every doctor we knew what to do. Cause like nobody could tell us why he wasn't sleeping. We, um, had him off every food that could be anything. And I, I only ate 10 foods, like literally potatoes, carrots, avocados. Like it was, they're just 10 things. Um, chicken, uh, so that we could have a control to figure out why the sleep was so hard. Right. Um, and there just wasn't an answer. Unfortunately, I think my son, um, is a mover and shaker and he was just mad until he could move and shake and run on his own. The sleep slowly started to get better. I'd have to say, honestly, until two months ago, my son had never slept through the night for longer than like, maybe like 
two days straight. So two months ago, he is two, almost three, three in July, two months ago, he slept through the night for the first month ever. That's Um, incredible. I mean, I can't even imagine for yourself. (laughs) No, I know. It's so weird. I think my body's a little accustomed. I still wake at certain times piping up like with um, a little bit of anxiety. Like I should be awake. Like really, Mm, honestly, it happens a lot around 1.30 and it happens a lot around 4.30, which used to be like the wake times after. So, I mean, but my body, I think is like, oh, I forgot what life was like. Did you sleep all the way through? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, that's been a grace. It's been a huge grace and it just, I don't take sleep for granted in any like way, shape or form anymore. Um, so yeah, so, you know, things are super intense with, with a baby that you wanted so badly for so long. And then I got this baby that I was like, I'm doing my best and I'm failing at everything. I'm, I was very grateful for my job at that time because, um, I could leave the house and be good at something like, and then come home and I felt like I was bad at everything. I mean, it's, and as new moms right now, I think there's just this extreme pressure because we see all the perfect on social media. We see all the perfect on Instagram of like, she's walking her baby. She looks like she never had a baby. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yep. all that. And, and, and a lot of times when you're maybe if you're feeding a baby or nursing or you're at home or my child would only sleep in a dark room yep. and would only feed in a dark room, like literally <laughs> like the past three months. Right. Um, so I couldn't, I, I really was homebound. My child also screamed in the car till he was 10 months old, like till he was blue in the face where I'd have to pull over seeing if he was okay or choking on something. Um, so like I was super homebound. So then my only place of connection really was social media or if I had a friend come over or something like that. Right. So I just, I don't know. I just, lift up. And that's why I just want to share and encourage like what we went through to see, to hear and see like a real life. This was really hard. And she had a lot of things were hard. So yeah, even if it's like one thing that someone's going through and they remember, like, I, I appreciate like them reaching out, even if they need help, like, yes, let me please tell you all the things we tried. <laughs> um, to, if I can help you in one ounce, cause it feels, makes me feel like maybe our experience is worth like comforting another. And if that makes sense. Right. No, I agree. So, um, yeah, we're, Cal is an awesome, he's, he's an awesome dude. And you know, <laughs> it's the point where you're like, these kids better change the world. Cause I didn't sleep for two years, two, three years. Like, so the mover and shaker in him, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, I just think that he's going to be one that's always just going to need like a lot of activity and need to move around. And so we were really terrified when we started to think about having a next, another baby. Like I, there was a very large no for a really long time because I was like, I can't eat. I'm not, we're still not sleeping Matt. We're still getting up three times a night. Like, I don't think I can like, I have two babies right. that don't sleep. Yeah. And function. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, um, so we finally got to a point where we're like, okay, we're sort of ready, I guess. Um, and being a wedding photographer, it's hard because you plan, like sometimes you have weddings booked a year and a half in advance and babies come nine months after it. Right. So it doesn't really add up. Um, but there was a month where we're like, okay, let's give this a shot. And we actually ended up pre- getting pregnant the first like round out of the gate. It was crazy. I knew almost immediately cause I just could tell in my body. Wow. Um, and I, I just, it was, it was nuts after going through infertility, you're like, wait, what? You know what I mean? We were just, we wanted to start early because we knew we're probably gonna have to go back in, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the surgery that I had, my uterus was covered in polyps. It's kind of a hormonal thing. So supposedly pregnancy really helps with that because it keeps it like clean. Right. And so supposedly the sooner that you get pregnant after, um, you have a DNC or you have a baby, the better chance there's not regrowth. Cause I I guess it always comes back with something I learned. Um, so so we were, um, super like surprised and excited. Um, we were due February, 2017, um, and 2017. Um, and so, you know, it was just an interesting like pregnancy, I guess the first, 
we had had, um, you know, when we found out we were pregnant last time, we were at, still at our infertility specialist. Even though we got pregnant on our own, we went into the infertility specialist and they are the fertility specialist, and they were like, "There's a baby immediately on the screen," and so it was just like this huge celebration last time. And we went into, I had switched to a midwife, and we went into our first ultrasound appointment. Um, the ultrasound tech, my doctor wasn't there, so I understand they can't say certain things, but the, the ultrasound tech didn't say anything for 45 minutes. And we were like, well, for sure the baby's gone. Like we were just like, she didn't say anything. I was shaking. Um, and then finally at the end, they were like, yeah, there's a baby there, but there's also a hematoma there. And I, they made, they played it off a little bit. And then my doctor called me back later and they played it off a little bit. Mm. Um, but it just left us feeling really eerie. And now looking back, it's like, was that a grace? Was that morbidity? I don't know. But it, it wasn't this like, yes, baby. Right. Like, I feel like I'm, maybe my experience is different than others. Um, but so, so yeah. So, um, and just a couple other things. I just never, I wasn't putting dates in the calendar. I just wanted to, I just kept saying, I'm going to celebrate every single day that I am, um, that I am pregnant. And so, um, so yeah, so we ended up losing the baby at about 11 and a half weeks. Um, I was in Starbucks and I just started mm. to lose the baby there. It was really <gasps> crazy. Yeah. Um, and traumatic, but like there were graces in it. My son was sleeping. We were able to like go to the hospital and my friend was able to come over and not like disrupt him. Or I was really grateful it didn't happen in front of my son. Cause I don't know how I could have dealt with it. Cause it was just so, I was bleeding so much. Wow. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. like, so I was grateful that he was kind of taken care of, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. And so, um, and then we, I had a wedding that next Saturday. And so, and it was one that I really didn't want to miss. And they were fine if I would have missed it. They were great friends. Um, but we ended up having a DNC, um, just cause my body wasn't doing anything, um, to push the baby out. And so, um, yeah, it was a complete, I mean, it was, it was still a shock, but like, as soon as I, I'd never had my water break with Cal, but I heard a popping noise while I was working at Starbucks. And like, I was like, Oh, this is it. Like I put my hand down by my butt, like, Oh, this is it. You know what I mean? So it, I don't know. Again, I, I don't know that if I was being prepared for it or, but it was still, we just hoped and prayed, um, even before we got back to the ultrasound at the hospital and, um, the baby had passed, I think around like eight and a half weeks. So mm. my body had been holding on to that, which wow. is just, that's really hard. That's yeah. just like, that's a, that's something in itself. You're just like, what? I thought I was pregnant for this long. So we had taken announcement pictures. We were literally ready to announce the next week. I had taken two sets of photos. So that was also hard for me a little bit to be like, okay, now I can say like, okay, we celebrated that, but so now we are just walking in the season of uncertainty and, um, we don't really know what's ahead. Um, we've tried since the last and we've stopped a couple of times emotionally. Like I just haven't been ready. I've, I've been sure. dealing yeah. with like my feeling like my body failed me, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. it's been, and then I feel like I'm back in that world of infertility a little bit of like, when I see pregnant women, I have a hard time. I think the difference now is when I see a newborn baby, I'm like, have fun with that. Like, I remember my newborn baby <laughs> and he was terrifying. So like, that sounds really terrible, but like, I actually had about five friends do literally within a week of me that February. And so they, they most of them have their babies now, beautiful babies. Um, I had one friend walk through loss around mm-hmm. the same time, but oh, it was wow. much harder. I think seeing them pregnant than honestly, the baby. Seeing their, no, yeah. like the babies are great, like cool right, babies, right. but like, yep. It was the pregnancy that I think I do think that is harder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've really mourned. So yeah, I think I'm just at the stage of like, I'm nervous about the anxiety of just like of the anxiousness of when we get, hopefully if it's the Lord's will, we get pregnant again. Um, I just don't like, you know, I just don't want to be freaking out all the time. I was really hoping for a redemption piece there. And maybe that's still what he has for us. Um, but I just, am hoping that, um, 
it's not terrifying. I don't feel like I can't move. Right. Otherwise it will be my fault um, or something like that, which it's nobody's fault, but us women still internalize everything. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So we're just in the season of trying to figure out what's right for us and, um, what's right for our family. And so, um, we'll see where that takes us. It's definitely a hard tension. And I, I, we're just living in the middle of tension right now. And so, um, yeah, I just, but I have to continue to look back at like the grace of the timing of my son. I would have never planned for his timing. He was yeah. born in the middle, middle of summer, but there were great things there. So I'm trying to trust in like that overall plan. Um, but it is hard when you see, I don't know if this happened with you, but like certain friends that you had babies with that first round, you know, like, so all of the mamas that I know that are, that have a kid, my son, Cal's age, they all have another one already. And maybe even like they're on their third. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and or more. And so I think that's hard too, because I literally always, I'm in this place of now seeing stuff on social media or whatever it may be. And I'm just like, I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind. Yeah. We're behind, you know, and yes. that's, yep. that doesn't do any good for anybody. No, no, um, I do understand that. And even, um, you know, you're saying about the, the friends and that's what I was wondering too, you know, having friends that you're pregnant with and then you know, you lose the baby, they keep going and that's just so hard. And then they're having the babies near the, the same due date. And, you know, and, and then you're having to kind of process that a lot differently than them just having, you know, babies, you know, whatever. And so I was going to also say too, with the behind, um, feeling behind, I thought that way too, because, you know, we wanted to try in, and then it took two and a half years. So that kind of then felt like it pushed me behind. And so, um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, Skyla wasn't, as, you know, she wasn't, um, difficult like Cal and in, in the same ways, but I just feel like, I think between going from, I'm um, doing a natural birth to, oh, and then I had, I had Bell's palsy, um, oh. during Skyla. Yeah. So that was really scary. Cause I mean, it was really hard to even drink. It's like, imagine mm-hmm. when you go to the dentist and you're trying to drink out of a water bottle and your, wa- the water is going to come out because your face is like paralyzed. And so, um, so that was scary. So, you know, for me, it was like, God, why are you doing this to me? It's like, okay, so it took forever. Now I have Bell's palsy and then I want to do a natural birth and then I have a C-section and then nursing was really hard with her. Like she, it's like, she was like a shark. I don't know. It's like she would get on and be like wailing all over the place. And that was also difficult. So when you talk about um, you saying your body failed you. I, I felt that on so many levels that it's like, oh my gosh. So for me, I feel like a lot of people get pregnant back to back and they're just kind of like, yeah, I'll have my babies really close together. I mean, so many of my friends have kids close together. And I think for me, it just took me a long time to just be like, okay, can I do this again? Because it just took yeah. so much out of me and the mental part of going, am I going to have to try again? I really didn't want to go back into that world mentally. Like I'm, I was like, I don't know if I can do this again to go like every month on top of all the physical stuff that I went through. So it was just, there was just a lot of anxiousness around it. And so I think that's also why it took me and we, and you know, the, my girls are three years apart, which to me is, is a perfect age. But I think if I would have had things a lot easier, I think I could have seen, I could see myself turn around and have them like two years apart, but I had to wait. Like, I just was like, I just need this time. And so I understand what you're saying about feeling behind. And then I, I'm sure it's really hard to, um, just seeing like kids with siblings. And so, you know, and then you probably wanted Kale to have a sibling, you know, a certain age distant, you know, and that's, and I think that's where all those things will just mess with your head because then you're like, okay, I wanted them to be this far apart, not this far apart and this and this and this. And then it's just like, oh my gosh, which, 
and, and, and you being a photographer, obviously you see so many kids, right. And their siblings. And, and yes. I don't, I don't know if that like affects you. Um, or like you were saying, the babies don't affect you as much versus the pregnancy, but yeah. Do you, do you feel that way when you see, you know, siblings and stuff like that, you know, for Kale? Yeah. You know, um, in my work, I, I, I don't know. I think the Lord has like protected me in that. Like for some reason I can photograph newborns and like pregnant women and I'm not really like affected. Um, but like close friends and family, that's where it's harder for me to see siblings. And like, like a little mom's group that I'm a part of that I went to with Cal and seeing that all of them have siblings. Yeah. I think it's just hard to see um, then, and then just know, and then I think also like birthdays. So like Cal's birthday is in July, mine is two days after that. So like, it's like, oh man, I thought you'd have a sibling by now. You know what I mean? And, right. Yeah. Oh, oh man, how many years are left of us having, you know? So it's just, um, I think, I think that's the way that, um, I get attacked a lot as a believer as like the scarcity, right? Like that there's not enough time. There's not right. enough this, there's not yep. enough that. Um, and I just, I'm trying to be all right with like, this is our story. And I don't know why I even get attacked with like, well, the Lord's not letting me get pregnant because I couldn't handle babies that close together. And like, again, making it my issue Mm. and that I'm weak. Um, and it's like, you know what, I'm just going to let it be how it's going to be. And we're in a really sweet season with my son right now. Like he's just, he's starting to really talk more and, and we can do a lot more that we like, we really couldn't do a lot for a long time. I sure. mean, literally for two years, we had to really, everything was rigidity, everything rigidity equaled control. Right. And like, that's not how I want my family to be, but that's what it was. Um, and so I think I just am going to walk in experiencing a sweet season right now with my son. And, and if we get pregnant, hopefully we'll get pregnant. Um, we get pregnant, but it's just hard to, it, you just can't put any eggs in any basket, right? Like it just, it was, we know the walk it took us to get here. Um, and we've now been through a really quick thing and a really long time thing. So I guess we're just kind of like, whatever happens <laughs> I right. mean, within reason, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, no, I agree. Just noticing that we don't have a lot of control over right. it. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, so do you feel like the, when they said the baby had a hematoma, do you feel like that is what caused the miscarriage or do you yeah, feel like, I, oh. yeah, no, I was, um, I'm like a nerd. Like when I, figure something out, I'm going to like figure it all out. So like I'll research things to the nines and, um, and just because of how long our infertility was, I was part of a lot of trying to conceive groups, a lot of fertility groups. And so, um, I had heard of this thing where you, um, like you have miscarriages because I'm, I'm saying thing, I'm sure there's many women that have it, but because, it, um, either, either it's factor five or there's just a blood clotting issue. And so, um, I went into a high risk after our miscarriage to look through everything to see, do I have a clotting issue? Like they did the blood work and everything. Um, and, um, I don't have a clotting issue, which praise the Lord, but I did go in. And so I met with this Indian doctor who's the sweetest man. Um, and they said, okay, what happened here happens in like one of 200 pregnancies and you're the mm. hematoma just continued to grow and it took oh. over like the baby sack. So the thing that I have a hard time with a little bit with that is, I mean, again, a lot of friends in really different cycles, like IVF, when you're spending, you know, thousands of dollars, um, on a procedure, I had friends that have had hematomas and my physician at the time was like, it is fine. Like keep working out. And I did, I did keep working out. Um, she's just like, Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. And I don't know if it could have gone up or down based on my activity, but the, um, so I've always like struggled with that a little bit, but the high risk doctor was like, you didn't do anything. This is just what happened. Um, so I think that's the only thing I will be cautious about. If I do have something, that's something I will talk about the, the next one. But the way that the ultrasound tech, like said it, they, I felt like they knew, like, 
if that sounds terrible, I, I mean, they can't predict life. Right. But like, I feel like the way where it was sat or something like that, like because they weren't excited or they weren't super amped to tell us, like, I just feel like they, I don't know. And that's just my own intu- sure. intuition maybe, right, but yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I just think, I don't know what we'll do different this time. I think that'd be interesting to hear if people have gone to different, I don't know if I'll go back to the same doctor. It's just yeah. interesting. Yeah. Now I was going to ask you, so since you had the DNC, um, that would have scraped everything out just like the yep. other procedure. So, so are you even thinking like, Oh, we need to go back and look for polyps or are you like, well, no, if we had the DNC, that would have done the same thing as your procedure before. Yes. I, I feel like they always say like, if it takes, if, if it's been four months of like temping and trying like really around when you know your ovulation is definitely come back in because it really truly is like the sooner, the better. Right. So, right. um, we tried a couple months after, um, not really intensely. Cause honestly it was actually like emotionally harder than sure. we thought, but we yeah. were like, you know, um, and then we took a break. Um, and so I think that if like, when we intensely start trying, like it doesn't happen after like four to six months, I would go back in just yeah. to see. Cause that could um, be a, a, a possible problem again. Right. Exactly. And that they said they were very like, just come back in. No big deal. Like it, it sounds yeah. like it happens very sure. often. Right. Right. Um, well, we're almost at the end of the show, but I wanted you yeah. to touch a little bit more on Kale not sleeping because I know that there are people listening out here that are just racking their brains because they cannot get their kids to sleep. And obviously, you know, the things that worked for you or didn't work for you may not apply to them. But I guess the thing is, is we want to feel part of a community. And so I feel like when you have somebody that's going through a, a challenging journey, just listening to them and um, and just hearing that you made it through is sometimes a comfort. So if you want to share a little bit, and then you can also, you know, um, tell them, uh, where you kind of tracked all that stuff too, that would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, hundreds of thousands of emails with my sleep coach. I mean, praise the Lord. Um, if you are in a situation and like, you know, I, I'm a sleep coach kind of sounds hoity toity, but like I was at such a desperation that we needed something. I um, mean, it, it's actually completely like affordable, but I'm still, I'm still very tight. I'm still on my sleep coaches, like becking call whenever I need have a problem. She helps me navigate it. Um, sleep was just so incredibly like in the intensity was so hard. So my son did really good, like in the, the swaddle or, you know, that early. And then it just, it just got harder and harder. And, um, I think because I was so tight, I was so, I mean, literally I like didn't sleep for for three days. And then I literally didn't sleep for a year and a half. So I don't ever think I went back into REM sleep. I mean, sleeping 20 minutes at a time, like my body never got to reset. So I just, I mean, I look back and I see so much anxiety, like that I, that was so high, but in the moment I didn't even know it was there, honestly, cause I was just trying to survive. So, um, yeah, it was just a really, really, it's just hard. And it was so hard for me because everyone, nobody, like everyone played it down. Everyone was like, Oh yeah, babies don't sleep or all that. And I want to be like, okay, if you, if you're trying to say that to me, like you go to sleep and I will wake you up on the intervals that my child is waking and see if you could handle this for even a night, you know? Um, and so it was just, and it was hard cause I was breastfeeding. So not a lot of people even like, and it, I just, at that point too, was like, I was worried about my milk supply nursing was pretty hard for us too. Um, I wasn't willing to like pump or sleep passive pump cause I was so afraid now being through it. I feel like I could do different things, but, right. um, 
I did the best I could with what I had. I, I can honestly say I did the absolute best I could with what I had at the time. But, um, yeah. So it just, if someone's telling you like, Oh yeah, it's this or that, or, I mean, you just got to take some things with a grain of salt and try some certain things. But my recommendation is get with a consultant. My, my girl, Teresa, I should send a link for that too. She is just, yeah, that'd be great. She, she, yeah, she helped me so much, even with just my mental wellness during it all too. really asking questions and like, and sleep is really just because I've learned so much, like sleep is never really just about sleep, especially just even in the toddler stages now learning. It, it's about like the, the whole entirety of a lot of things. So yes, it's about sleep, but there's a lot of things that play into sleep. Um, and so I'm going to keep her on a tight leash. Even if, you know, if we get to add another baby to our family, like, what do you do when you transition to more? Like how, how, you know, like I'm just, for me and knowing that I have a child that doesn't sleep that well and that a lot of things disrupt his sleep, I'm always reaching out to her when I have questions and it's a hundred percent worth it for me because your mom's going to have an opinion and your grandma's going to have an opinion and your <laughs> friends have an opinion, but none of them have your baby and, and you have a gut that like knows your baby. Right. Yeah. Um, so just try to try, try hard to like grit your teeth when people say stuff like that. I literally just would have to walk away or I'd just be like, yeah, you don't understand. Thanks. And like, I just, I didn't have the capacity really to be like, no, you just don't get it because people just can't, they, I, I couldn't get it, you know, even before, even now it's hard to remember the exact, I mean, I know if I really think about it, but unless you're in it, it's just so hard. So just try to reach out to someone who knows. And I really feel like there are great sleep coaches and consultants out there that can help too. So I did yeah. also put like, because the schedule is so crazy at one point, my, my, breast milk wasn't keeping up with the needs of my son. So I was pumping five times a day plus nursing him full time. Um, the, we just went through a lot of really hard things. So I did post on one of my fan on our family blog, like an email that I sent to a sleep consultant to talk about, like before I had found the girl that I love. Um, and about like, it was actually, uh, what, what do you call a nursing consultant? I'm totally mis oh, lactation consultant. consultant. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I had sent this email to her and it was like a snapshot of what our life looked like at one of the hardest times, like in the middle of the hardest point. So if you are going through something really tough and just, if you need to see that I have that. And then I have, um, like another post on my blog about ending motherhood silence, just so that if you at all feel like you're alone, if you can read those and maybe not feel alone, know that I have walked that way and I would love to help you any way I can or connect you. I love just connecting people so that they don't feel stuck. Yeah, or alone. that's great. But yeah. Um, well, so Gina, why don't you um, share with everybody where they can find you? So those sites that you're talking about now, and then also your social media and website for just your business stuff. Yeah. So um, my website, which is kind of a blend of like my work and my personal is ginazeidler.com. And it's, <laughs> I married into a fantastic last name, but it's um, Z-E-I-D as in dog, L-E-R. I always have to like spell that. And, on the and can you pronounce that again? Zeidler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. GinaFather.com. Um, there's a lot on my blog, GinaFather.com slash blog. And then, um, we have a, our family, I think it's just the family Z.com. I shared like my weekly pregnancy updates. I was really like, I really wanted to be cautious to anyone that was following me from infertility that, that wasn't expecting yet. So I moved my, my like bump updates to that blog. Um, and I shared my, my birth story there. And then that snapshot of like the harder part of our life. Um, and then I share really openly on Instagram as well. And I'm on Instagram just at Gina Zeidler as well. Again, E I, we always think I E, but it's E I. <laughs> um, so, um, and then I think Ingram might link in the show notes. I pulled some of the, um, Instagrams that I shared about like our miscarriage. Cause I haven't really written a blog post about that yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I'm just so grateful to be able to share, um, just my piece of our story, 
um, with anyone just so that they don't feel like it's only them or that they're a bad mom or they're a bad parent or they're even just like a bad human for wanting a baby so bad and thinking all these terrible, I mean, that's one part of infertility and even miscarriage. Like you just, you think these things and you don't want to think them, but they're real feelings inside your heart. So, um, I just don't want anybody to be ashamed and know that like, it's all part of the process Yeah, and I'm here to, here to listen. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. And I, I appreciate you coming on the show today. And I know that your story will really touch a lot of women's hearts. And I pray that it gives hope to the women that are walking through this journey and reminds them that they are not alone. Yeah. That's, that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today, Gina. Yes. Thanks so much. And there you have it. And just a reminder, as I was saying at the very beginning of this episode, that the summer series on cultivating your village will be starting this June, 2017. So make sure you don't miss it. And the easiest way to not miss episodes is to subscribe on your favorite podcast player, or you can go to mominspiredshow.com. And this way you won't miss every episode that comes out on Tuesdays. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.